In this episode of the Encourage Inspire podcast, I'm joined by singer and performing artist consultant Brianna Rellis. Brianna and I t- begin the episode talking about how we got connected at the Springboard Music Festival and that from that moment on, it's been so much fun to support each other along the way. Brianna talks about her first introduction to music at the age of nine, where she performed on the talent show singing Debbie Gibson's song, Out of the Blue. She remembers singing the vocals because back then, at that age, she didn't know how to remove the lead vocals and just sing over the backing track. She knew after that experience, she wanted to continue to sing and perform, and the path in which she took to do that was musical theater, and ultimately decided to attend Pepperdine University to study musical theater. After graduation, she started working at a restaurant in Malibu where she ultimately got connected with a voiceover artist and coach named Lauren Adams who helped her secure representation with an agency called Sutton, Barth, and Venari. Brianna knew that her ultimate goal was to be a performing artist and make music. She made the choice to audition for season four of American Idol, but she also she shares that she actually auditioned three times but ultimately did not make the final cut. She remembers that it was a very tough experience, and even though she didn't make it onto the show, she was very thankful for her experience. Brianna thought that after her experience on American Idol, her music dreams were over, but she learned the importance of how to manage expectations. What she ultimately learned was that it wasn't the end, but really was the beginning of a brand new journey. I asked her if her goal was to make a record after that, but Brianna said she simply just wanted to sing. Uh, Brianna and I talk about her meeting her husband, Victor, in Los Angeles, and they wanted to start a family. Brianna shares that she ultimately didn't want to raise her family in L.A. for a variety of different reasons. She and her husband decided to make the move back to her hometown in Dallas, Texas. Moving back to Dallas was also big for her husband because his ultimate goal was to open a restaurant and the opportunity for that was much greater living in Dallas. Brianna and I talk about the fact that she almost bought into the lie that just because she was a mom, she could no longer pursue her love for music. She shared that she didn't do anything musically related for several years, which led to her going through a depression. After some encouragement from her husband, she decided to start performing with a band and make connections around the music community in Dallas. She made a decision to pivot into consulting and coaching creators because she knew she was a mom of three now and didn't want to gig every weekend with her band. Brianna talks about being given the opportunity to work at a music school doing vocal and performance coaching after quitting her full-time job working in advertising sales. She talks about her husband receiving the keys to open the doors to a new restaurant and the both suddenly becoming business owners and how scary that was while still having to provide for their young girls. She talks about all the business skills she had to learn to help support the opening of the restaurant being the foundation of what she does today as a strategist and helping indie artists with their careers and showing them how to take a small business approach to achieve success in their music career. Uh, I asked Brianna how she feels about artists who only view success from the viewpoint of being one of the biggest acts in the world. Brianna says that she always likes to dig a bit deeper to find out why they view success that way and that she isn't the right person to coach them because she doesn't promise that's what she can help them achieve. She shares that are so, she said that there are so many moving parts that have to come into play to achieve success that way. Uh, Brianna and I talk about the work that has to be done to get creators to the goal of being able to make a living doing what they love to do, even if it doesn't look like what they envisioned when they first dreamed of their music career. Brianna talks about her first book she wrote entitled Performing Artist Pathway, Navigating the Highs and Lows on Your Music Journey. She speaks about the inspiration behind the book being that when she would do workshops and talk about what artists go through along the way, she would get asked same questions over and over again and she felt like she should turn all the information and advice she was giving into a book 
She shares the book as a practical guide filled with tips and tricks that can really help performing artists. She talks about artists or people in that in general, making a decision to take action on the things that they're passionate about and how it truly can be a game changer in pursuing their dream and making them happy, which she calls freedom. Uh, Brianna and I end the episode talking about the journey her husband and family have been on as restaurant owners. She shares that for seven years, it truly has been a labor of love and that to see the restaurant be shut down due, due to the pandemic is very hard. She does say though, that because of the restaurant, she now has been afforded such a unique entrepreneurial background that has truly been a blessing. She talks about a book she read called Blue Ocean Strategy, which focuses on operating within a niche and how that provided such a vision for her to be able to establish herself in the marketplace, helping indie creatives. Rihanna talks about the creation of her reality show singing summit. She shares that the summit was inspired by the creation of her online course entitled Make Reality TV Your Your Reality, Her Online Experience. She shared that so many talented indie artists and creators get on reality shows and are unprepared to capitalize and make the most out of their experience. She wanted to create a space to educate and, and enter these into extremely empowered situations and what needs to be done so they can make an impact ignite the next, and ignite the next phase of their music career. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Encourage Inspire Podcast. This is episode 19. Uh, and I have today, my guest is my friend and colleague, Brianna Rellis, with me today. She is so amazing. Um, she is a artist, entrepreneur, performing artist, consultant. She does wear so many hats in the space. And I'm just so glad to get her on my podcast because her story is such an inspiration to me as well. So, uh, Brenna, how are you doing today? I am really good. Thank you for having me, Darrell. You know, I love you so much, and um, I appreciate you. I appreciate you inviting me onto the show. I'm super excited for you. I'm so glad. You know, we got connected through a great event by our friend Barry Coffin called Springboard uh, Houston, you know, or Springboard South, whatever you want to call it. And that's the first time I ever connected with you this is june of 2018 yeah yeah and, and you, you were in there fact, said, we we i'm just trying to think we may have met we may have met in san diego prior to houston no houston was first then san oh, diego. houston okay houston, yeah, houston was, was first. so houston was in june of june of 18 and san diego was in january of 19 got it yeah got it Man, yeah. I can't keep it straight. I yeah. think that was probably I think that might have been my second my second San Diego festival. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was Man, that was, that's so great. Yeah, I'm so it's and it was really fun because um when we met, it just, you know, it, when you meet people sometimes you have that kind of like instant connection. Right. And right. you know, you just like vibe right away and we definitely did and um you know, I that was really that's history right like ever since we've just been keeping up with each other supporting each other uh what right. are, what's the saying about rising ships you know that rising ships rising together. Tides or something yeah like that's that. right rising <laughs> ships 
what is it? Something all tides? It floats all tides yeah. or something yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, right, no, right, it's right, good. It's a right. good one though. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, so that's amazing. And and I absolutely love everything about you. So I said this is this is um it had to happen. You know, I always covered three topics. I usually say this in every episode. So I cover three topics in, in my podcast. That's usually disability awareness, um, music business topics that can help independent creatives, and then people's stories that encourage and inspire me. So every guest I select, they try to either be check one of those boxes. You know, most of them check two. <laughs> but, you know, um, but yeah, so that's why I said it was perfect to have you on here. Um, so talk to me about being born or raised. Are you originally from Dallas? I am born and raised. Okay, wonderful. So, and then you were introduced to music at the age of nine. Talk to me about some of your earliest memories of being introduced to music and like, you know, uh, that experience. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I've definitely been singing just from a very, very young age, but I would say at nine was probably my first, you know, talent show pretty sure I was like in third grade or something. And I was singing Debbie Gibson's out of the blue. Um, I have a very distinct memory of, I know exactly what I was wearing. My hair was permed. You know, I had like a leather skirt on and a black and white checkered tank top, little top. Um, and I remember at the time that back, back in the day when I was growing up, you couldn't find background tracks. So okay. I was yeah. actually singing to Vocals. like, yeah, to the song and they were trying to turn the music up, but the, the locals <laughs> down, you know, it's impossible. Right. Yeah, so I'm literally yeah. trying to sing over Debbie Gibson. Oh. Uh, I, you know, I just remember like some of my friends that were boys uh, in the, you know, in the audience giggling because I, I probably they've never seen me like I was going all out right I was like I was in it I was in the zone um so yeah that was probably the first and then from there I got some invitations to join some local theater um groups and that was really it that was kind of the beginning for me to just start performing and when I was growing up musical theater was my my vehicle for performance okay so, you know, it wasn't like we had artist development programs and, and music schools in the same way that we do today. So right. if I wanted to sing, which I did, I had to go the musical theater route. Okay. Now, um, you know, there's plenty of people who, who, who are like, for example, Jessica Simpson. Jessica Simpson went to my rival high school and she got her start singing, I'm pretty sure, in like church like church choir, church, right. church stuff. Right. Um, so that she kind of had a really different ex experience than I did. I didn't have that same type of experience. I was all about musical theater. I thought I was going to go to New York and, um, you know, be a famous musical theater actress. And, uh, by the time that I went to school, I went to Pepperdine and studied musical theater. By the time I did that, I was burnt out. You know, I was done with musical theater, but, I wasn't done with music. Gotcha. I was just done I was, with musical theater. Like I, was, I knew that I was singing was, yeah, singing was my first love. Right, right. So Pepperdine is so that too. So they had a musical theater program, which is why you had to go, ended up going there. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. And so when I was in high school and looking at programs for for college, I was looking at New York. I was looking at NYU, and I was looking okay. at um, 
TCU, which is in Fort Worth. It's more of a local school. Yeah, Yeah. Texas Christian University. And then Pepperdine. And ultimately, Pepperdine, because it was in LA. And I really didn't want to be like at USC um, at the time. There was, it was like, it's like really close to down. It was very like in the hood of Los Angeles. And at that time, it was a scary time because it was like right after a bunch of riots. And, you know, it was just kind of like not. So are we talking place. like this, this is the early 90s? What is this? The mid, mid early 90s? This was here? actually, it was like 97. Okay. So about mid 90s. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mid, mid to late 90s. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So USC was sort of just starting, starting to come back up in terms of like people feeling safe again in that right. area, you know? Um, and, but now that being said, when I did end up choosing Pepperdine, we had a lot of fun at the USC football games. We had a good old time. <laughs> gotcha. So we weren't afraid to go to the football games. Gotcha. Um, but I, yeah, I ended up choosing Pepperdine and um, I fell in love with New York, uh, but my SAT scores weren't high enough. Like mm. I had a great audition with them. They, they were like, you're in if your SAT is a 1200. That's what they told me. Wow. Like if you, because they have so many applicants, that's how they weed people out. Ah, so, the academics. So gotcha. mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had, I was actually top 10% of my class. I had really strong academics, but not strong test scores. Yeah. You know, speaking of that, I just, I've always said, like, I don't think a test score determines how smart somebody is. Oh, yeah. I totally you know what I mean? And people just, these test scores, it's just like, okay, I didn't score, you didn't score 1200, so you must be an idiot. You know what I mean? It just, some people just aren't good test takers. They just don't, you know, those, a lot of times with those standardized tests, you're not supposed to know half the crap on there anyway, most of the time. You know what I mean? Like, there's stuff yeah, on there. I remember it, I took There's it. a total strategy to taking those tests. Yeah. And really, all the prep courses for those large standardized tests, they train on not necessarily like the content, but they train more on like, how to take the test right like how, almost how to like how to school the test right you know which is the whole that's a whole other that's conversation. a whole other conversation <laughs> like, gotcha. <laughs> gotcha gotcha so okay so you so did, did you graduate from pepperdine or so you graduated got your degree there mm-hmm. yeah i graduated okay. from pepperdine did um Commercial and radio voiceovers in LA. Right. I was going to ask Pepperdine. about that. So you end up going yeah. to an agency. So how, okay. So you get, you signed a deal with a top talent agency. So how did that happen? So like, yeah. So how, how did that process happen? So right after Pepperdine, I started working at a restaurant okay. in Malibu called Pierview Cafe. Okay. It was right on the beach, 500 yards away from the Malibu Pier, two doors down from Dr. Dre. <laughs> I saw him often, and I was always starstruck and freaking out. Right, right, right. Salute um, to Dr. Dre. I mean, this was like, yes, this was this was a really, really cool place. Gotcha. And um, I got the job because I needed to have the flexibility to audition because I was going to, you know, be an actress in L.A. now. Yeah, makes, right? Like, makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, it's right? very common. So yeah, yeah. I got that job and um, I I'd connected with a really talented voiceover artist and coach out there. Her name is Lauren Adams. She's also a singer songwriter. She's a really talented singer songwriter. 
And I took a bunch of voiceover classes and she helped me cut my demo. And from there, I was able to um, secure uh, representation with a agency called Sutton, Barth and Venari. And I want to say it's, it might just be because Vic Sutton retired. And I want to say it's probably just Venari casting or Venari, you know, Okay, my but our agency does, my now. does voiceover. She takes it real. She had the coach. She had the real. She does all that too. My mm-hmm. sister is in New York, kind of the same, similar path to you. Um, she has a degree in theater, and she knew she, you know, being from Orlando, there's only so much you can do. You know, she didn't want to go the whole Disney route that deal, so she moved. She went to work. She actually went to work on a cruise ship for a couple of years. Yeah, for, I know a lot the, of people who did that cruise line. She did that. For a little while, and then she ended up going to New York, and that's where we're originally from. We have all our family pretty much still there, and she actually got a job at Carmine's in Times Square, which she lied because she never worked. She never waited table a day in her life, <laughs> but she lied, and she ended up doing that. So like for the same reason you said, she needed the flexibility because she's an actress and she does comedy now. She wants to have the freedoms to move oh, around. I love and, it. And so now she's really getting into the voiceover thing and hired a coach and had a reel and does all that. So she's doing a big thing. So kind of a, yeah, a bit of a similar uh, path to, to, to what you just mentioned. So. Yeah. And you know, I'm doing, I literally get um, requests for voiceovers like to this day. Yeah. And it's really cool. And I, you know, me, I'm, I'm kind of, I've got my hands in a lot of different pots. So I don't, I don't tell people that I do voiceovers because I, I don't have time to be like, you know, promoting that like i've got right, right, right. <laughs> i got way too much going on but when people call me and say hey do you have time to put to like lay this down or put this you know put this down for me then um i i do it because it's it's really fun i really enjoy yeah, it actually there's some good money in that too yeah yeah there is it's it's ridiculous it's ridiculous how much you get paid for these things and it takes you yeah. like well for me it takes me not very much time at all yeah. Um, not that I want to tell them that, but you know, no, it's really so, fun. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking the other day, I'm like, you know, I should probably put some of my, my, um, voiceover work on Fiverr and just, yeah. you know, side hustle, right. You know, when it comes Get in, a little more in. like another yeah. stream of income, why not? Right. When it comes in, it comes in. So <laughs> you do the voiceover stuff and then, so let's, transition so then you realize you want to do music like you do the voice but you really know hey i want to be i want to do music that's really what i really want to do right for sure so then that leads to you deciding i want to go the uh, tryout for american idol exactly because that would be the next logical <laughs> step <laughs> right. and, and, and in full disclaimer and, and you know we'll talk about this later i've never been a big fan of reality shows Competition, just because a lot of times they're not really there to help build careers, they're there to sell stories. Yeah, so a lot of people go on these shows, right? And and we'll talk about your summit later on, but because it's it's key and you guys should be a part of that. But most of the time, these people go on these shows, and it's very difficult for them to build careers out of that. And so, you know, because in theory, it's like, okay, I'm gonna go on the reality show, and people are gonna see me, people are gonna see me, and it's gonna catapult my my singing career. That's what people think it's gonna do. Right, that's like, their mindset. <laughs> A lot of times it doesn't usually work that way. No. So, so talk to me about your experience. Talk to me about, it says here, you um, three times before you got the opportunity to actually participate season four. So that, that right there tells me a lot. You had to go three times before you actually got on, right? 
Yes. And back in season four, that was still the cattle call days. So people would literally line up by the thousands around the venue. So that season in season four, over a hundred thousand individuals showed up physically and lined up around these venues. There was seven different audition cities that year. And, Mm -hmm. um, I auditioned, uh, three times before I got the yes. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and I lined up every single time with everybody else and had my pillow. And, (laughs) you know, it it was wild. We made I made some good friends. And, um, and it was a it was a tough experience. But I'm so thankful that I went through it and that I that I had the experience because of what I tell a lot of people, you know, is that at the time I thought it was an end, you know, cause I didn't get the final result that I was after. And it goes back to what you were just saying with whatever expectations that you have in your mind about these shows. And then when it ends, which in it, and excuse me, it inevitably always ends <laughs> whether you win or you don't, it's going to end. Right. right. So you have these expectations of what is supposed to happen when you're on this show and then they don't happen and you're crushed or, you know, you, um, you think it, you think it is actually the end, like it is the end of your career. (laughs) Right. And so now I love that I can look back and go, man, that is so cool because that was actually like the beginning. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, okay. So at this point, is your is your is your goal to make a record? Is that is that what the whole thing was? Did you, did you have, is that, was that what you go to? You want to make a record? You want to be a touring artist? Is that what you wanted no, to do? No, not even close. No, okay. at the time, I just wanted to sing, gotcha. and I thought maybe it would put my foot in the door into the possibility of me actually being able to, like, sing and have a career in music and like right. I. I didn't know what that meant. You know, like I said, like what we have today with this whole DIY space and with, with artist development programs and music schools, like in in the internet. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't even have any footage. I have, I have some raw footage of my audition only because my friend was the editor on the show. But I mean, I don't have any Facebook, Instagram. I have no photographs. Like, I I mean, nothing. (laughs) Cause it was fake. I mean, this was, this was before, Social media. Right. You know? so you're talking about mid 2000s, probably, right? Yeah. Like, 2000s. I remember this was 2003. Okay. Uh, 2000, 2004. Yeah. 2003, I, 2004. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So, you know, I remember having my, my picture was on their website for a little bit, and my mom, like, printed it on her, on her printer at work. So I had this paper. <laughs> This cool. paper picture of me, you know, lined up in Hollywood on their from their website. Right. I don't even know where that thing is. I wish I still had it because obviously it's like, you know, you can't find that now. But yeah, you know, it, it, for me, it was just definitely, you know, uh, a great experience. But I just wanted to sing. And, and that's one of the things I tell people. I talk about it in my book. I talked yeah. about it at the summit, which we'll get into. But, you know, I just wanted to sing. I didn't know who I was as an artist. Gotcha. I was straight off. I was straight off the musical theater boat. Like uh, I was still which like is a different world, by the way. Right. Totally That's a different, different world than just, you know, there's different spaces. Right. So if you're a live performance artist, which that basically is in theater, 
they're trying to go into the recorded space with recording music because again, especially in them days, that was right before digital. So there wasn't a DIY space. So you That's needed right. a record label. That was the only real way you could make a record, you know? And so going into that space is a whole different world, you know? And it's like, it's a different, you, you, the rules are different. The way you have to think about your career is different versus, you know, having to do all that. So I totally, I totally get it. I totally understand where you're coming from with that. Yeah. And, and I was just, I just knew I wanted to sing. Right. So I thought, well, this is a singing show. Right. This is a singing competition. I have done talent shows before. Like I, I actually auditioned for the Mickey Mouse Club when I was ah. in seventh grade with Jessica Simpson. Really? And I was taught. Yeah, I was in the top. We were both top 10 Dallas and they were choosing two to go to Orlando. She's a year younger than me. I basically was aging out. I was in eighth grade mm. at the time. She was in seventh grade. Um, this mm. is the same season as Justin Timberlake, Christina Aguilera, oh, wow. uh, Bernie Spears. Yeah, same season. Just so, think. What, 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 what does that girl, have been like, boy, <laughs> Crazy, right? Yes. Yeah, so I was top 10 Dallas. Uh, they chose two. I was a year too old. So, oh, But man. Jessica was one of the top two from Dallas who actually went to Orlando to um, – to potentially she didn't make the show she didn't make that season but she right. was in the running for that season interesting yeah but, isn't that know, crazy she ended, she ended up having a, she ended up having a nice career but she all and in her defense she also knew that she wanted to pivot out she also knew that you know because she makes way more money you know way you made way more money in fashion and retail than she was making in music and you know it's a whole different again it's a different space now we're talking about a time where you just had to, it was just different. So, it's a machine, right? Yeah, I just think it was, it was just, you know, just the machine. Yeah, right? And that's the same thing with the, right. with the reality singing show. I just remember like, like literally when I showed up to Hollywood, you know, I got the yes. Like I remember thinking, oh my God, this is like, this is a machine. Like all, yeah. all of a sudden there's cameras in your face and, yeah. but it's like this, they, they pull you in and then, and then when it's time to go, it's time to go. Exactly. And then, Exactly. The machine keeps rolling, right? So, okay. So now you, you you don't American Idol ends, and then you decide. So you and your husband, you meet your husband, right? Or yes. this, around the same time? Yeah, we were friends at the uh, same time. Yeah. Okay, so we you were friends at the time. So eventually, you guys. So he was in L.A. So you guys meet uh -huh. in L.A. We met in L.A. Yeah. Okay. So you guys then decide. Okay, we want to leave L.A. We want to go back to Texas to start yes. a family. No, we started our family in L.A. Actually. Oh, in L.A. Okay. So yeah. So yeah. We LA. started our family in L.A. So my oldest was born in L.A. And when she was about two years old, we relocated back to Dallas. Yes. Okay. And what was the reason behind that? Just like, hey, we just we need to get out of here. Was for... Well, I always knew that once I had kids, I didn't want to raise them in L.A. Ah. Um, gotcha. The school system stinks, first of all. And gotcha. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> it's really expensive. It's very, very the cost of living is very high. Yes. Um, the quality of life, in my opinion, I mean, as much as I love the Pacific Ocean, both my husband and I are Pacific Ocean people. Um, the quality of life is low. You're right. in your car for hours a day, right. um, depending on where you live. And most people are in their car for hours a day. Um, and um, lastly, my husband really didn't love LA. Gotcha. Like he, he's actually... He was born in California, but he grew up in Mexico uh, and his okay. family, 
his family is actually in Los Angeles. Um, so we're very close to like his dad and all of his siblings and all of that. But even with that, like he, he just never loved LA. Um, plus, and we'll get into this. He's a restaurant guy and Dallas is a restaurant town. So the, the opportunity to open a restaurant in Dallas was just a lot greater than it would be to open in LA. Gotcha. Okay. So you moved to, back to Dallas. Now, are you, is your goal still at this point having a career in music or are you like, ah, I've already got to do something else? At this point, I had bought into, I always say this, I bought into the lie that because I was a mom now, I couldn't do music. Right. Yeah, that's a lot. I literally <laughs> believed. Yeah. No, I literally believed that, well, American Idol was my last shot and I and that's over. So my music career is over. And then a year later, you know, I'm going to be a mom. Oh, well, yeah, my music career is definitely over. Like I didn't make American Idol or I didn't get as far as I wanted to American Idol. And now I'm going to be a mom. So like, I guess music isn't for me and I'm just going to like give it up. Right. Yeah. So I right. just, I believe that ridiculous nonsense for several years and I didn't do any music. I didn't do any singing. I was extremely depressed. My husband pulls me aside and he's like, look, I love you. You're going to make me crazy and you're, make, you're going to make yourself crazy if you don't start singing, performing, writing, doing your music because like you're right. not you in it. a good it's, place. It's, yes. I, it's, it's, it's the way you, it's the way you function. You function that way. It needs to be a part of your life in some kind of way. Right? Yes. Yes. So, so okay. that was a huge wake up call for me. So at this point, so now is your hug. So have we started the rest? So I know you start, you get your first gig, you book a gig at House of Blues Dallas, right? And you do that. Yes. And yeah. Then, right away. Right. So you book that gig. So, is, does, is the restaurant thing happening yet while you're doing? Is your mm -hmm. husband open the restaurant? We haven't got to that part yet. So, no, that was 2008. So, right. so we moved to Dallas before. to open. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I was gigging um, around town before we opened the restaurant. Uh, we didn't open the restaurant. That was in 08 when we moved to Dallas. So, spring of 09. Spring of 09 is when I've. No, probably actually fall of 09 or even 10, because it took, a, it took another year of being in Dallas before this conversation even happened. You oh, know? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I would say around 2010 is when I had the turning point with music gotcha. Yeah, and gotcha. started performing, got the band together, did an EP, um, met my producer, just started connecting in the Dallas music space and yeah, just kind of living into that. Um, and then like two more babies later, I'm a mom of three. I was like, <laughs> okay, uh, this is a lot. So that's when I decided to actually shift more into the performance and coaching role. Gotcha. Uh, right. And that's, yeah, that's going to be my next thing. Singing. That's going to be my next Yeah. We're gonna get that's into how that. that happened. I had three babies and I was like, uh, <laughs> I don't want to be gigging every weekend anymore. It was a lot. Yeah. Cause, yeah. I mean, the, and, and thankfully now, what's her name? Leah McHenry is her name, I believe. Uh -huh. Yeah. And Leah she, McHenry. That she does not tour, but she's, she's a digital marketer and she does album, but she makes a great living doing music yeah. without you know, without 
actually get because for that very reason, she can't, she doesn't want to be on the road. Some people don't like to be on the road for that long and have, you know, and it's just different type of life. It's a, it's not a, it's not always, this isn't a glamorous life. I tell people all the time, being a professional creative, it's not a glamorous life. I think people think it is. People think, oh yeah, you're doing music. Yeah, it's fun. But it, there's a lot of sacrifice that has to be made when you're doing, when you're pursuing this. So I totally understand. So you decide to do the coach, the performance coaching. So well, what what started that? Well, obviously, you know, obviously we know why you started it, but what kind of led you? Okay, I can I can I can teach this stuff. I just from my experiences that you have, now you feel like you could be an asset to other people in your similar space. Yeah, you know, your, was that kind of your mentality? Yeah. So when I was in Los Angeles before moving to Dallas, I put together this whole idea, this whole concept of like these audition workshops okay. um, for musical theater, for whatever. They were, they were literally geared towards preparing people f- to be like to slay their audition. Right. So it was kind of a brain. Now to what yes. Started, yes, right? absolutely. Yeah. It was just this brainchild that I had back in 2008. And so when I got to Dallas, I actually tried to like host these workshops in the summertime through like a local, you know, the local rec center or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they didn't really get any traction. And so um, that's when I kind of just started singing a lot more. But what happened was in 2014, that's the year that um, we opened our restaurant. And that's also um, about six months after that a friend of mine opened a local music school, like in my neighborhood, artist development, music school. And she asked me to come on board as her music director. Oh, nice. So, And right prior to that, I had actually quit my um, full-time job. I was working in, in advertising sales uh, for ABC national TV sales, um, selling television ads. Right. And I had quit that nine to five to quote unquote, stay at home and start my vocal coaching and performance, like performance prep, you know, performance coaching business. And then that's when we got the keys to the restaurant. That wasn't part of the plan. (laughs) Suddenly my husband and I are no, like, I mean, we went from both of us having cush nine to five 401k jobs to no income. Um, no nine to fives and we're suddenly like entrepreneurs. It was like overnight. Like I always oh, tell wow. people, it was like, so talk, it was so talk yeah. about that for a second. Talk <laughs> about like what minute you're doing this. And yeah, it was, this. it was literally that crazy. Like it, it was, it was one of those things where my husband had done some consulting for a guy at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. His restaurant was failing. So he brought my husband and he said, take a look at this. Tell me what I can do. I got to fix this. I got to turn it around. Right. Victor did the work. The guy didn't take his advice. They went under. And six months later, this guy calls him and says, hey, do you want to take over my lease? Because I'm locked into this lease. But if you take it over, then um, I can get out. You can have your restaurant, right? You change. You don't have to. You change the concept. You make it yours. But I just need you to get in the space so that I can get out and I can close my restaurant doors. And so that happened in May and or June and literally by September. Yeah, that happened in June because we had 
basically June, July, August to paint, to, to get the concept together, to do it all. And then we opened in September. Um, wow. but I had quit my, I had quit my job in May. So I quit my job thinking I'm going to be stay at home this summer. Cause we didn't want to pay three daycare tuitions in the of summertime. Course, of course not. So I quit my job <laughs> in May and June, Victor gets the keys to the new restaurant and we both are in unemployed and no income and, um, realized, oh my God, like, I guess, I guess we are business owners now. Yeah. Wow. So, it was crazy. And I became, I, I became an accountant. Yes. So I, we needed an accountant for the restaurant. I've never been an accountant, but I learned QuickBooks. It was like the craziest six months ever. Like, I think I lost like 20 pounds or something. Mm. I mean, I learned all of these online. This is, and this is the foundation of what I do as a strategist for online business skills and, and, and right, marketing right. and just like the whole online business stuff. It comes right. from the education I received, like, you know, uh, bootstrapping it as a, as an early entrepreneur. Like yeah. that's literally like the, all of this. Cause I was doing the marketing and social media. I was doing the accounting. I was doing all the QuickBooks. I was doing all the sales, um, data entry, like all the things. Right, right, right. So um, I learned a lot in that six months and it really set up, it set me up um, to learn, to learn business in a different way. Right. Um, and wow. Yeah, it was, it was a wild, wild ride. So then right. six months into that, I got that invitation to join another startup uh, with the music school. And that's really when I was able to start building my vocal coaching and performance coaching practice. I started coaching bands and artists and um, that led me to write my first book, which is what led me to springboard, which is how you and I met. So, awesome. wow, that's the full circle. <laughs> that's, that's great, man. And, and what you're able to do now um, and, and helping people see that you can, there's so many ways to achieve success, man. There's, so many creators feel like the only way that they can be, have, be successful is that they have to be a big star. Like if they're a niche artist, somehow if they're a niche, they're not successful. But I'm like, oh, well, if if you can make two hundred thousand dollars a year being niche, isn't that isn't that success? I literally just have this conversation with one of my clients, one of my artists I mentor today. I'm like, so so the key is. I was telling her to, to take my artist course, Xavier Keys' wire formula course. So this guy has sold out merch, right? Has a fan base of diehard supporters <laughs> that are spending money. In six months, six months to a year from now, he'll probably be making six figures a year before he launches his subscription-only site. And so I'm trying to tell her, you need to take his course so that you can build your foundation. I said, well, oh, well, is he niche? I'm like, hey, He's niche, but if he's niche making $250,000 a year, $300,000 a year with his little small audience of less of 8,000 people, um, that's success. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, what else What else could you be asking for? But unfortunately, some people only see success. They have to be big mega stars. It's the only thing for them, bro. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about artists who come to you with the only mentality of, if I'm not major, if I don't have a Grammy, if I don't have any of these things, I'm not successful because I come across that all the time. So how do, yeah. how do you feel when, when people talk to you about stuff like that? Well, I always kind of ask them what their motive, like, 
like I I dig in a little bit deeper. Like, right. well, what is that mindset all about anyway? Right. Where does that really come from? Right. Because and I make it really clear to them that I'm not the coach for them. Right. <laughs> because that's not what I'm promising. Right. And um I think neither am I, that, by the way. Neither yes, am I. <laughs> yes, and I know that. I know that. Um, I think that it's important to have vision and dreams and, and all the things, right? But there's all these stepping stones that we must take before getting there. So how realistic are you, this person who's asking or saying, yeah, I, I just, I need to be major and da, da, da. like, how, how realistic is that? I mean, that's right. always what I ask, like how right. realistic, because every artist is different, right? right? And there's a combination to, to get to that level. There's a combination of a lot of um, things that have to come into play <laughs> right. in, a, in addition to a little bit of luck, uh, a little bit of who, you know, a, right. and a lot of money. And, yes. you know, there's just all of these things that come into play. So for me, I usually just say, well, I think that is amazing and awesome. And I'm rooting for you. And I'm curious what your plan is to get there. Right. You know, and usually <laughs> most they're of like, most of them it's, oh, I'm going to sign a record deal. And, you know, that, you know, that deal. and then I say, oh, you mean that you're going to get a loan like yeah. that, a really big loan that you're not going to be able to pay back. Oh, that's that's harsh. Isn't that harsh? Yeah. I don't mean to be harsh, but like <laughs> legit. Right. I mean, right. Jeez. But they don't want to learn the skills, know. the small business. They don't want to learn the small business skills of branding, right? Of the things, brother, that you teach so very well about how to be successful in your own space and do things your way and 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 and, and be able to live the life that you want. Again, it may not look like Beyonce's life, but it can be something that you're proud of. You can be a full time. Um, creative because a friend of mine told me this the other day. There's a difference between when being there's, there's a difference between being a professional singer, an unsigned artist, and an independent artist. Right? So you can be a professional singer just by singing at gigs and doing corporate stuff and weddings and right. yeah, and you're a professional yeah. singer. That's right. Right. Yes. So okay, that's a goal. Okay, now you're getting paid, you're getting paid to do that, right? Then you're an unsigned artist, meaning that the goal for you is to be signed to a label. And so that's so, so, but you're not really considered to be yourself independent. Independent means I want control of my brand. I'm in this I want for the long of, game. Right. That's what I want. Right. I want to be able to go do the deals myself, cut out the middle person. Right. And be in control of my equity and what I create. That's the difference. Most people. It's really interesting. I like that. Yeah, most people right. think being unsigned. And I had to think about this when he mentioned it to me. I'm like, that's yeah. an interesting concept because people automatically equate unsigned artists with the same thing as being independent, and it's just it's really not the same. It's different because unsigned artists still really want to be signed because mm -hmm. they don't really want to do the business. Mm -hmm. They don't really want control over their audience. They want to just think. Oh, the big machine will handle everything. And yes, they will, but you're going to sacrifice ownership of that, you know? And you're going to. Well, not to mention that you still have to prime the machine. You yeah. still have to prime everything 
to get to the machine. They are, right. They're not going to just do it for you. Right. Like, <laughs> you, got, you still got work to do. Exactly. Exactly. I definitely agree. I definitely agree with that. So I think so. You're, you're, you launched your book. Talk to me a little bit about the premise behind the book. Before, first book, Performing Artist Pathway. The first book, yes. So Performing Artist Pathway, Navigate the Highs and Lows of Your ma- m- Music Journey. It's available this, now. You guys can go get it. Yes, available on Amazon. Right. Um, so I was coaching, vocal coaching and performance coaching. I was working with bands. I was just doing a lot of prep, all these different things. It was really, really fun working with young people. Okay. It was amazing. We had a great time. I was working at a music school. And what I was finding was that every single session, vocal coaching session or performance coaching session with these bands, like somebody was like mental about something. Like somebody was in a funk or in a mood or something happened. Or so these sessions would turn into like I felt like shrink sessions. And I was starting to I, I was like repeating myself i was repeating the same thing over and over and then i just started recording myself as i was giving these sessions because i was like this is this is a book i don't know there's something about all of this that's just making me feel like i need to write a book and so you know i realized that there is a lot of stuff that we go through as artists that well now we talk about it because of this entire you know I mean, it's mental health awareness right now as we're right. filming this, Ever, right? There right. is this, you know, I, I don't want to say suddenly, but a very important emphasis right now on self-care and recognizing that, right. you know, we have mental issues that we need to deal with, right? But when I was writing this book, no one was talking about the real life BS that you go through as an artist, like dealing with the comparison, dealing yeah. with the... um. I call it like those performance highs when, when you're craving the audience's affirmations and, and the fact that like you're so high after a performance because everyone's telling you how amazing you are. And then the very next day you crash and burn, right? you know, and how to do, how to actually deal with that because it's real stuff. No one was talking about it. So that's why I wrote performing artist pathway. It's a very practical guide on navigating, you know, life as an artist uh, there's a lot of just practical tips like networking tips. And there's actually a lot of audition prep stuff in there as well. So that was my first book and it opened doors for me to start speaking at music festivals. The fact that I, I literally, cause I enrolled in an online course to learn how to write and publish my book and okay. the experience opened up my mind in a way that truly made me realize, oh my God, like I can do whatever the heck I want. Like, like the world is actually my oyster. Like I can like literally do anything. Oh my God. I just, I just wrote and published a book (laughs) in three months, mind you. Like I did that thing fast. I spit that baby out quickly. And I was very proud of that. And that changed everything for me. That was the beginning Mm. of like, the trajectory of where my career has gone. And that was in 2017. That was are that we going on four years. No, it wasn't that long ago. That's how fast you can change the, the full trajectory of your life when you right. make a decision. Exactly. When you make yeah. a decision to do what you're passionate about, what right. you're excited about, and also what aligns with your talents and right. giftings and skills, suddenly you're in your magic sweet spot. Right. And, the flow begins. Just happens. Yes. And you're 
and you're using your gifts and you're on fire and, and people see it. You're, you're just a light, right? Because, because you're not squashing it. Right. So that, no, that, that was the beginning for me. That's, and, that's um, major. That is major. And it's, yeah. It's opened up so many opportunities. And what that book allows you to do too, is that that builds trust for you with people. Right. So trust is major. Cause I think nowadays as a, as working with independent artists, right? Let's be honest, a lot of them are broke. They don't have a lot of money, right? So I think providing value the way you do in that book establishes trust. Well, okay, there's something that she knows. Again, you've never been signed to a major label. Think about this for a second now. Yeah. Never been signed to a major. You're not coming from that ecosystem of a, of a label. So, but that book allows people to still trust you enough to say i want to hire you to work with me right and i think that's why people like ourselves in today's diy space are so viable because we bring the value that people need from us right and so i think that's major and i think that's why you're so amazing because you found a way to still do what you love to do again it probably didn't look like what you thought it was going to look like but that's right it's still what it is that you're still doing something and impacting people with your gifts in a different way. And you still get out there and perform, you know, from time to time and still scratch those, those itches when they come, you know, that's a great way of putting it. Yes. (laughs) But you, but, but, you know, and now you can do a record when you want to, now you can do a record like on your terms, you're not trying to, I got to win a Grammy. I got to do this. I got to do that. Like, I'm going to make a record and whoever likes it, likes it, you know, and, you, and you're targeting a, a, an audience that is hopefully going to support it. So when you come in there, coming at it from a different angle, it, but first of all, it just makes it less stressful to you. It's, it's freedom. Not, it yeah, really, it's freedom. it is. It's that freedom as an artist to just say exactly what you said. Cause that's not what I always said early on. I was like, I'm going to do this music thing in my way. Like yeah. it's not going to look like the traditional route. And I always knew that I didn't know what it would look like because, and I remember think I was in my early twenties thinking I'm going to do this. I don't know what it's going to look like. It's not going to be the traditional route, but I'm, but I'm going to figure out a way to keep music in my life. Right. I, and now of course I, I, I laugh. I'm like, if somebody would told me that I would be like, you know, have a best-selling book on Amazon and be a strategy consultant for artists and a reality TV music coach, I would have just laughed. I'm like, what? I was working full-time in advertising sales. And and you think about it, it wasn't like you won America. It wasn't like you won there and you like won the competition and you know what I mean? But you still, you still had so much value because now you could take people through that process because again, there's still so many people that want to take that route, right? Yes, there are. And now are. with your summit, which is, first I want to talk about your restaurant and then, um, cause I know uh, obviously you've had to shut it down, but and then I want to talk about, and I want to end the episode and talk about your, your summit. But, but the, what you've been able to do is so amazing because you've turned that into a positive You've turned that your experience of not quote unquote because you didn't make it to the big show. You didn't make it to you were you actually on the right. The actual, I made it to uh, I made it to Hollywood and I did not make it to the top twenty where it's actually filmed. Gotcha. Okay. Right. Gotcha. 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 Yeah. So, 
But even through all of that, there's, there's all those experiences that you've learned, you can now press forward to other people and show them how to, because where most people, again, we talked about earlier, where most people kind of fail in those situations is they don't know how to take that situation and make that into something that's going to work for them to build their careers, right? So that's exactly. what happens to a lot of people. So they go on their shows and like, damn, like I went on there. Even, and even if they do get on the show that's filmed and, and because there's so many contracts you've got to sign and so much red tape and paperwork, got to do things a little differently because they kind of own you for a little while <laughs> you know a little bit depending on how far you go yeah, yeah they own you for yeah. a little bit yeah, yeah. I, I, one of my clients uh andre his son was on the german version of american Idol. oh the i Germans, have a client who's german. auditioning i have a client auditioning for that right now right and so his name is starring and starring made it to the top he didn't win so now they are trying to he's they're trying. I think he has a couple more months he gets out of his contract, but now they have now they're trying to have to figure out how to pivot out of this and turn that into something that can be viable. He's 19. He was the only one doing doing RB soul. Because you know, in Germany, they don't really do that over there. Yeah. So he really stood out. And yeah, so yeah, it's a whole big thing. It's a whole different type of experience when you go on a show like that. Like the, like he was telling me, like the kid's famous. Like everywhere they go, the parents they they walk, they know who the kid yeah. is. The, the kids know who he is. It's it's a really interesting. And this experience. is one of your clients. Yeah, one of my clients. His son was on the was on the German version of American Idol. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot what it's called. Whatever. The well, German... you need to let's let's talk offline about this and let's yeah. put our heads together and see how we can help this kid. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Right. So that being said, That's so awesome. Your restaurant. So. Talk to me, you know, we talk to me a little bit about like what the conference of the restaurant was and it was. I know it's shut down as we're recording this, but talk to me about kind of the concept of what you created. And, and you had a lot of success for a little while, but obviously before the pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the restaurant is my husband's baby. And um, he, it, it's interesting because I didn't realize. So we, we made it through the entire pandemic. But it was just this uphill battle. I mean, it 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 was not good. The restaurant mm-hmm. industry is just like the music industry is really heavily, heavily impacted. Right. Um, and you know, we just kind of got to a point where it it just didn't make sense anymore. Um, what I didn't realize was how because you know, I told you I have three three young girls. I didn't realize how much of their um family identity that they have wrapped into the restaurant because Mm. I mean, my husband is there every day. We're closed on Mondays and Tuesdays. So he's home Mondays, Tuesdays and Sunday nights. But you know, this, this restaurant for them is like, Oh no, our, our family, like we are a restaurant family. Like we are the restaurant. Right. And so it was really hard, you know, for my husband, it was hard to make, to come to the decision because we have for the past seven years been, it's like blood, sweat, tears type thing. Right. For Mm -hmm. me, I'm juggling my music career and consulting and all the things I do alongside of supporting him uh, with the restaurant stuff. I, I'm never, I'm the only time I'm at the restaurant is to eat and, and enjoy delicious wine. Right. I'm not actually like serving, you know, plates or any of that. I'm doing all the behind the scenes operations, things like that. Right. So, you know, it just has been a late, it's definitely been a, a labor of love. Right. And I have to tell you, you know, 
very, very mixed emotions about the closing because there's a part of me that's like, you know what? Good riddance. This place has been so hard. It's been so hard on our family. It's been so, it's been so hard to just constantly keep alive. Like the restaurant industry is just difficult. Yeah. Oh no, I've heard. The other, I've heard it's very yeah, hard. And then the other <laughs> half of me, the other half of me is like, you know, this is sad because we yeah. have like put so much into this for the past seven years uh, right. plus, you know, and this has been a huge part of our life. And, and so, yeah, it's, it, it, but look, here's the beautiful thing. One, we have learned so much and it's given me this incredible knowledge. Like, and I love the fact that like, I have this interesting entrepreneurial background now, like the brick and mortar entrepreneurial background with the restaurant industry. And then the entrepreneurial background as a, you know, oh, wow. music industry consultant in this DIY. So I bring this really unique, you know, perspective to things. In addition to the fact that like, I was able to book so many artists at our restaurant. I was right. able to, to create live, a live music program right. and hire indie artists and pay them what they're worth, you know? So exactly. it was really, really neat to be able to, it, to blend yeah. my music stuff with the restaurant. Um, and now, you know, it's time to move on. And, and I am excited because I don't know if you've ever heard or read the book Blue Ocean Strategy. I'm sure you have. Um, but if you haven't, Blue Ocean Strategy is a really cool book that just is all about, it's all about kind of like the niches, right? It's all right. about, you know, in a, in a saturated market, let's say a saturated industry, you can still not only find your niche, but you can actually create desire and want and, and, um, and business like right. out of, out of nothing. You can literally create your own thing, which, you know, we can talk about the next thing, which is the summit and all the reality stuff I'm doing. But, yeah. you know, that's the idea. It's like I I am in the music industry, right? There's so much going on. There's so many coaches. And I found this little niche that I'm super excited about, passionate about all the things. And that's kind of my little pollution strategy. Like that's my little. I, because I love it. And the same thing with me, right? So I had to figure out where because. My, you know, I talk about me real quick. So, you know, me living in Orlando, Florida, right? Me having a disability. How can I be in the space and give value from living not in the industry hub, right? And not being able to be quote, quote unquote where all the business jobs are at. You know, I'm a graduate of Full Sail University, valedictorian in my class, all that jazz. So I've been in the industry for 17 years. You know, and so I knew that being in being in Orlando, I was going to basically do my own thing, be an entrepreneur, be my freelancer, do what I do. And I had to find out where can I fit. So I said, okay, just like you, I'm going to help independent artists. But I had to figure out where can I build a brand at? And that's building. And so I figured out my message was let's build a core audience. So when you could find that niche of like, where can I be valuable? Where can I center, kind of center my brand at and kind of build from there exactly what you talk about the blue ocean strategy i love that finding your little niche in the switch there's a there's there's coaches there's coaches everywhere we have friends you know um Suze and and katie zicardi and megan kuhar and you know and our friends that are co as fellow coaches as well we kind of all teach the same things but we do it in different ways and that's the beautiful thing about it and there's just like, there are a ton of 
musicians and artists out there, there is enough out there for, for all everyone. of us like, to, to be uh, successful. For all of us. And, and, we got, and we got to support each other. That's the thing. Yes. Like, for instance, it's like, amazing. I have, I, I tried my best to, I've just, I've worked with Megan now. Well, she just did a session with one of my, my most recent clients. And we, we booked her. Like, she's a part of my team. I'm saying, and so I wanted to find a way to support my friends and my colleagues and the people that I can help help their businesses grow and be successful. I mean, we have to support each other. We have there's enough for all of us to be successful. There is enough for all of us to do what we love to do. So I love that. I love that. Hundred percent. Um, go yes. on, let's, now, let's, talk, let's let's end it off by talking about something that you're so passionate about, which is your um, the reality show industry and the reality show singing summit. So talk to me about, about why you wanted to create a summit and the value behind that. Yes. Okay. So during the pandemic, I launched my signature course and um, my best-selling book, Make Reality TV Your Reality. Best-selling book, guys. Best-selling book. Yes, baby. It's so exciting. <laughs> um, so, and you can find that on Amazon as well. And it's called Crush Your Reality Singing Show Audition and Ignite Your Music Career. And really what the book and the online course do is it takes you through three phases. It takes you through the beginning, which is that audition prep time. It takes you through the during, which is the performance and slaying the audition. And then lastly, the post, which would be, you either you, you get on the show, you get the opportunity or then post show, how do you leverage the platform? And so really, it's that third phase that for me is most important because as we were discussing earlier, so many people have really ridiculous expectations of what they're going to be getting out of these shows. And secondly, they do not prepare in advance to leverage and maximize the experience. And I am a strategy consultant. Strategy is my number one skill. I love strategy. I'm a total dork. I geek <laughs> out on planning and steps and all the things, you know? And so I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It drives me crazy when I see an artist get on a reality scene show and I'm like, wow, they're really good. And I go to check them out and I go to find them on social media. I can't find them. I don't even... I can't Google like they're not showing up on Google. They're not showing up on Instagram or like anywhere. What the heck? Like, what the, <laughs> what is wrong with this person? You are on national television in front of millions of people. You're slaying it. And I don't even know social. your name. Right. Yeah, I don't even like I, I can't even find you because their social media profiles like kitty cat 69 or something, you know, right. like <laughs> right. or whatever, you know. <laughs> so those are the little things that made me realize like, there are so many uh, seasoned artists, seasoned independent artists who go on these shows unprepared and not ready to leverage. And also singers who were like me and just wanted an opportunity to sing. And they are so starry eyed and green that they make poor decisions. They don't negotiate their contracts. They, um, they have really different expectations right. than what's reality, right? right? So I want to create a space to educate them so that they can really enter these situations extremely empowered and confident in knowing what to expect, how to present the best of themselves. And then lastly, 
use the platform to create momentum in their music careers because ultimately the goal is to make a music impact. They are there because they're trying to share their gift and, and touch people mm -hmm. and make an impact in people's lives. That's why they're doing it. Right. 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 And, and they want to create fans maybe, or share their, share their gift with more people, which creates fans. But if you don't prepare in advance, you can't connect with those fans exactly because you haven't put your ducks in a row. So right. that's what the book's about. That's what the course is about. And that's what the summit is about. I, I put together over 25 speakers, you included. Yes. Thank you so much, Darrell. I love awesome. you so much. Love and we did a three-day summit all geared on reality singing shows and how you can prepare the audition, how you can pre prepare your mindset, get into warrior mode, how you can have a really incredible performance that's going to get that chair turn. And then lastly, how to get those business ducks in a row so that you can maximize and leverage your entire experience to create exactly. momentum in your music e career. Exactly. And to ultimately make a living. You know what I mean? That's right. There's so many artists, like you said, there's so many artists out here who are just about the art. Because one thing about creatives, they don't like to talk about themselves and they hate to sell. And me, I love selling. Because I'm selling what I love doing. You know, I think it's right. about, you know, it's not even, believe it or not, we're all in sales every day. We sell, we sell every day, whether we realize it or not. By what we post, by what we, we every single human being is in sales, whether they realize it or not. And for some reason, creative people just don't like to sell. They don't like to, they don't like to understand how to, to create funnels and that whole deal and what all that stuff means and brand equity. And they're like, oh, I don't want, I just want to be an artist. Like, no, eventually. I just want to create. I just want to create. If you want to make money at this, then because it's either going to be a really expensive hobby or sure. you want someone you make money at this. So if you, if you want to make money with this, you have to learn the business aspect and you cannot put it off on somebody else to just do it for you. That's another mistake a lot of them make. That object, I'm just going to have a manager. No, no. This is your business. You're responsible for your own business. Brother, you're not responsible for their success. You're going to te teach them, but you're not responsible for their success. Now, you know what you know what you teach works but you're not responsible they pay your fee that that that, that they should pay but they better but if they don't if they don't see success that ain't your fault that is not your fault it's their fault it's no in this business it's no it's not it's their fault anything they don't do it's their fault it's not nobody else's fault but their own and i firmly believe that so many artists want to blame their managers. You got to take responsibility. Yeah, they want to blame people for why they don't make it, why they don't become successful. Like, no, it's you have to be responsible for your own career. You cannot be afraid to go learn the business. Like, like you cannot be afraid to go do these things because at the end of the day, the music, you don't need the music industry to be successful in the music business. And what Brianna teaches is how to be successful in the music business. It's a difference. You know, it's a difference of being, being in the industry totally. and then yes. being in the business. So um, this has been so yes. great. Um, so how can people find you who want to connect with you uh, and potentially work with you? Please um, let people know how they can find you and, and things like that. And I'll make sure, send me all any links you want to put in the show notes besides, I mean, I've, you know, I have your website and all that, but if you want anything extra special, just let me know 
I'll drop it in the show notes for you and everything. So the Reality Singing Show Summit will come back in February of 2022, but I am launching my um, signature course uh, 2.0. It's going to be the Reality Singing Show Success Academy. And Ah. this is going to be a six-week course where it's the ultimate three-phase process to audition, get cast, and maximize your experience to ignite your music career. And so the whole... The whole course promise really revolves around preparing to maximize this show within that six weeks so you can position yourself for success that will open doors, propel your music career forward, and help you to make your music impact, essentially. So I'm really excited about this program, and it's more of a step-by-step. It's a like it's six-week modules because for me, when I, when I laid it out, there are six steps six steps to get prepared, get cast, audition, all the things, and then ultimately position yourself, put yourself in a position to actually ultimately get cast so that you can make this happen. So that's why I built it out in six weeks, because each week you're going to get a new lesson and a new module. Um, And it's a video course, but I'll have a group coaching component to it. And I'll be doing some trainings in the fall to launch that brand new course. So I am so excited about that and just really, really passionate about it. Because again, this is not just a US thing. You were just talking about it. You had a client whose son went on The Voice Germany. I just trained a girl who's who's a potential contestant on The Voice Germany and The Voice Spain. Um, I, you know, working with someone who's going on American Idol and who was just on another reality singing show locally, not locally, but in the United States, you know, so this is, this is a space where this is international. Like there are music, music competitions everywhere and reality singing shows everywhere. So so it's been incredible to be able to connect with people internationally through this because there's nothing out there like it. And I am just honored and thrilled that I can bring beloved to this whole little niche because it's um people need support period right they need support and i love preparing people to have awesome experiences and i actually really believe that if you do it right you can actually create some momentum in your career through these opportunities but you you know and and again i always tell people these shows are not for everyone like yeah. I will, I'll be the first person to tell you that these reality scene shows are not for everyone. However, you cannot deny the fact that should you get the opportunity to get on it and get yourself and your music and your, your message and your story, we talked about stories, right? You control the narrative, right? but you got to be prepared to control the narrative. Right. And that's something that I coach. That That's beautiful guys. So like I said, you know, before being a part of Brianna's Summit, I was not, and still are not a huge fan of these shows, just because again, they're they're they're, they're not really this, they're not really, they're not, they're not. I don't want to say selling false promises, but you think about okay, they want singers, so they must want real singers. But then it's like, no, they really want your story, so that they can sell advertising dollars, so they can, you know, that whole big deal. And so it's not necessarily about they don't really want to build you. They can give a shit if you have a successful music career or not. As long as that season goes well for them, it's been a success. Yeah, this but, is entertainment television. 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, this is not so, about building music careers. So so thank so 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 thank thank God that Brian has created something to put the power back into the creative hand, so that if that's if right, you do not win the competition. In fact, Brian probably detested it. You, probably you don't, don't need them. Win. It's you okay. Don't want to win, actually. To be honest, with you, you probably yeah. don't want to win. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and uh, I don't. I don't know that I say that in my course, but I mean, I, what I do say is that this is not about winning. This right. is literally about getting airtime. And, and like you said, putting the power back into the hands of the artists, because you do have a lot of power without you. These shows don't exist. Right. Right. So, yeah. Well, okay. To answer your question, people can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Brianna Rellas music, B-R-I-A-N-N-A-R-U-E-L-A-S music. And I love for you to follow me on Instagram. I, I spend most of my time over there. And then you can go to briannarosmusic.com and pick up a free audition checklist, which actually there's a whole component in there about your core brand story. And I'm going to be offering some new, really great um, freebies on my website too in the next few months. So by the time this comes out, there's going to be new stuff. But the best place to check out everything, my books, my online courses, all the good, all the goodness is my website at Brianna Rellis Music. Awesome. Awesome, guys. Well, I want to thank you, Brianna, for being a guest today on the Encourage Inspire podcast. Until next time, this is your host, Darrell Peart. I'm out of here. Peace. <laughs>